You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you? Good afternoon. Uh, still doing good. Fantastic. All right. Let's go ahead and jump into... Let's not waste any time, because we got a lot to discuss today. I want to go over some terms that the far left actually uses. I, I want to go over some uh, uh, the way that Marxists kind of infiltrate things, how, how they use terms and words to kind of manipulate people and get them on, to, on board with like their cause and, and things like that. And I think it's important because... A lot of these terms, a lot of these particular ways that they do things, all this changed around the 1950s. So it was right after the Second World War when all this changed, which if you notice, that's about the time that all this started to get conjured up. I mean, we saw the uh, the hippie movement and all that stuff in, um, in the 60s. And then, of course, you had the spawn of what we would call uh, the Weather Underground in the United States back then, which essentially ended up becoming a domestic terrorist organization. And now we're seeing the modern iteration of it in terms of groups like Antifa and, and the like. So we'll, we'll talk about Antifa here shortly. But let's get into the bigger issue here at the moment, at the moment. And that is you've got police officers that are now resigning all over the country. That's a big problem because this becomes now, as you said, Bruce, it becomes a reactionary thing. People are making these these choices. We saw it in the initial stages with COVID, but they weren't resigning. They were being put on administrative leave for refusing mm-hmm. orders, for refusing those orders. Right. So this is a different scenario. Now you have the media that's championing with the far left organizations like Antifa and like BLM that are running around all over the country saying defund the police. And you've got places like Seattle, places like New York, places like Los Angeles, places like Minneapolis who are defunding or disbanding completely the police departments. And so now police officers are leaving because they just don't want any part of this. And it's really a sad thing to see because we don't need to go down this road. The problem we're going to run into is you're going to have the good officers leave. And then what's going to happen? You're going to have cities that just come through and say, well, um, yeah, well, we've already had officers quit, so we're just not going to backfill that position. This is what happens. Or worse yet, they disband the police department and they replace it with something far worse, which is what's happening right now in Seattle, right? In Chaz, right? That that great place. Mm. Now they're talking about uh, how they've renamed the area. Okay. They've renamed it. from Chaz to Chop, after some of the occupiers wanted to send a message to anyone who resisted their fate would resemble what happened during the French Revolution when adversaries were beheaded by the guillotines. You, you people, you, you people. But yes, this is uh, th- this is what's going on in there. It's just it, it's absolutely disgusting. It is disgusting. And for the, 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 the useless mayor of Seattle to allow this to continue, you are a disgrace, lady. You're a disgrace. You're a disgrace. I feel sorry for the people of that community. You should resign in shame. That's what's going on in Chaz. So just a short update of that. But uh, not sure how they're doing agriculturally, though. I mean, that's, I'd be interested to see how that's going. Wonder if they've, uh, <laughs> wonder if their tomatoes have actually grown uh, in the in the last couple of days. But anyway, getting back to the police officers. Still a few months. Yeah, getting back to the police officers. All over the U.S., right? Police officers are being attacked, 
right? They're being they're being vilified. They're being targeted uh, for violence. I mean, you see some of these videos of these, quote, protests. You see what's happening to the cops. They're getting beat up in the streets. So the problem you you run into is now police now the police officers are just going to leave. So my question is, where is the public pushback for this? Where's the support from the so-called legislature? Where's that? Where are the elected officials to come out and stand up for the good police officers? Most cops, I'd say 99 percent of cops are, are good people, right? They're just out there. They're doing their job. They're trying to keep the peace and keep order and justice in society. And that's it. You do have bad cops. But you've got bad people in society, too. You do your best to weed out those bad apples. That's what you do. And if there's one thing that I've that I've learned and there's one thing that I know is that bad cops are hated most by other cops because it makes them all look bad. Mm -hmm. And of course, a cop is going to keep it an incentive to not want to go to jail. Do you know what they do to cops in jail? Do you have any idea? Let's just say that they don't uh, like, they, they don't make it too long in there. I was going to say it's probably about the same as a child molester. If, if you want to take the number of cops that have actually discharged their firearm, right, and killed someone, I believe the number was 0.4%, right, of the cops that have done this, okay? If you want to say every single one of them are bad cops, now they're not, but just for the sake of the argument, we'll say they're bad cops. That means 99.6% of cops are all good. If you want to use those extreme numbers of, you know, the shootings and, and twist the numbers, which obviously they're not. And many of those are justified when they they go through the courts and whatnot. But anyway, that's just a side note. I've got some quotes here from police officers uh, that have that have been taken. So this is a quote from uh, Winchester. Uh, this is from an officer in uh, Winchester, Tennessee. Officer Dustin Elliott. He was one of the main factors. that ca- This is one of the main factors that caused him to quit his job. He says, I've thought long and hard about whether or not I should even make a video. But then I feel like today we all kind of need to understand where law enforcement is and the crusade against us that is weighing on every officer's heart in America right now. It's devastating to be a police officer right now and to know what's going on and how people feel about you and the things that you do in this job, the sacrifices that you make. He's not joking. Mm -hmm. There's a lot that would excuse me. There's a lot that would rather see you dead just because of the uniform that you wear. And those are. Those are the radicals. Those people, they are the ones, the ones that are out there calling for the defunding of police. They want police gone so they can implement their system. They want their own system of justice, their own system of law enforcement. You see it with the armed vigilantes in Chaz. They got rid of the police. And what did they do immediately? They created armed gangs to keep order. See, they want their own group of lawless thugs. That's how it works. So what are your thoughts on uh, on these cops that are leaving? It's a shame. It's not good for our society at all. This is, I, I honestly, I don't know what to say about it. it. These are these are the guys that are putting their lives on the line to ensure that we're safe. I mean, these are these are the the, the peacekeepers, if you will. And to be losing them, uh, it, it's a shame. I'm I'm really saddened by it. Yeah, it, it's just it's tough. The thing is, is that uh, what they will create on the other side of this is far worse. It's far worse. I assure you. Please, if you if you have not, if you have not, go look up, go look up the organization called the Sheka. It was created under V.I. Lenin in the Soviet Union after the Bolsheviks came to power. They were the ones. They disbanded all the police departments and they replaced it with that. So I assure you, I assure you that they have much more sinister ideas in their heads. But anyway, um, I want to play. I want to play a clip here of how this is being portrayed, okay? I want want you to hear it from this guy, okay? This is the head of the New York Police Department, right? The NYPD's police union, okay? I want you to hear it from him, how he's putting it. I want you to hear this. 
I just want to talk to, to, to you, the press, and I want to talk to the police officers. 375 million interactions with the public every year. 375 million interactions. Overwhelmingly positive responses. Overwhelmingly positive responses. But I read in the papers all week, we all read in the papers, that in the black community, mothers are worried about their children getting home from school without being killed by a cop. What world are we living in? That doesn't happen. It does not happen. I am not Derek Chabon. They are not him. He killed someone. We didn't. We are restrained. And you know what? I'm saying this to all the cops here. Because you know what? Everybody's trying to shame us. The legislators, the press, everybody's trying to shame us into being embarrassed about our profession. Well, you know what? This isn't stained by someone in Minneapolis. It's still got a shine on it. And so do theirs. So do theirs. Stop treating us like animals and thugs and start treating us with some respect. That's what we're here today to say. We've been left out of the conversation. We've been vilified. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Trying to make us embarrassed of our profession. 375 million interactions. Overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly positive. Nobody talks about all the police officers that were killed in the last week in the United States of America. And there were a number of them. We don't condone Minneapolis. We roundly reject what he did as disgusting. It's disgusting. It's not what we do. It's not what police officers do. Our legislators abandoned us. The press is vilifying us. Well, you know what, guys? I'm proud to be a cop. And I'm going to continue to be proud to be a cop until the day I retire. And that's all I have to say. I can't think of one thing that that guy said that uh, that I disagree with. He's absolutely right, right? He's been the, the, the police officers are being vilified. This isn't just in the NYPD. This is happening all over the country, right? They're they're yeah. vilifying the cops, right? The the legislators. I mean, you see the the legislators that are coming out. You see what they're doing in Minneapolis. Oh, well, the police are there to kill somebody. Excuse me. What he said about how parents are concerned that their kids are going to go to school or walk home from school and be killed by police officers. He's right. What world are we living in? Look what the media is doing. Look at this. This is disgusting. I, I don't even know. Like, I don't even have the words to describe how sick this is. And you see where the media's at. You see where the legislators are at the city and the state legislators. You see where they're at and the national ones, too. If you go to the House of Representatives, you see where they're at. You see where they're they're vilifying police officers. They talk about how they're abandoned by legislators. Well, they are. They are. They're left out of the discussions. They're left out of the negotiations. What? You can't get a single person in there to, to voice their opinion. That officer down in uh, Atlanta was the, was the shooting uh, we talked about yesterday. Like the, immediately, that officer was fired. Uh, hold on a minute. If an officer, I don't care where it is. If an officer, this is what people need to understand. If an officer feels as though their life is in danger, then they have the choice to use 
deadly force if they feel that their life is in danger or if someone else's life is in danger. So the reactionary moves that are being taken just off of media narratives, this is extremely dangerous. You're setting a very dangerous precedent for this, but they don't care. They don't care. He talks about how all the cops that were killed in the last week during all the riots and the looting. Where was the coverage on that? Where, mm-hmm. where was the coverage on that? All the police officers that were killed, the officer, that, the federal officer that was killed out in, in Oakland, the officer that was killed, 77-year-old David Dorn, who was killed outside of a friend's pawn shop trying to help him protect his business. By the way, he was, a, he was an African-American. Why doesn't his life matter? Why doesn't his life matter? That was broadcasted on Facebook Live, and it's still up there. So if these people actually meant anything that they said, then they would take all of this into consideration. But they don't, do they? They cherry pick. Joseph Stalin said that one man dies. It's a tragedy. 10,000 die. It's a statistic. Do we not see precisely that? Now, I'm not, I'm not excusing what happened to George Floyd. That, that was horrible, right? No one deserves that. Nobody deserves that. That's terrible. We all agree on that. That was terrible. But this is what they're doing, isn't it? This is an old game. Right. This is an old game. You have a lot of people fooled over this one. We're going to get into how you fool people here in just a minute. But you got a lot of people fooled on this one. You got a lot of people over a barrel. But there are those of us that know history. There are those of us that know the tactics. There are those of us that know the games that you're playing. And we see right through you pieces of garbage for what you are. We see how you're manipulating people, how you're using the media. So are we seeing that agenda? One man dies, it's a tragedy. 10,000 die, it's a statistic. Right. Is that what we're seeing? Well, I mean, technically, the... Those of us around that know, you know, the facts, the numbers and all that kind of stuff, we're already quoting the, the facts and numbers when it's even small numbers. But yeah, we, we are seeing that that um, agenda. OK, so moving right along, uh, I wanted to get into I wanted to get into this today. Yesterday, I had mentioned that we should possibly, you know, uh, outlaw liberalism. Now, you know, I said that on on a whim and I think it, it bears relevance. I mean, it's it's a discussion to have because. As Bruce pointed out, liberalism is embedded in the West, right? It, it's it's our founding, essentially. That's what it is. And Thomas Jefferson, as I said, was a liberal. So he believed in, in liberalism. Liberalism actually means, well, and I'll get into that here in a minute, but my issue with it is, is that the left, the Marxist left, is taking it over. And they did this right around the 50s. They knew they couldn't compete with it. So this is why they took over the term. So they own it now. And they've gotten it to the point now where here we are 70 years later, and they own it. So one of the things to note here is, and we're going to reference this at the end uh, after we get through a segment on uh, on what we're going to go through with, because all of this works together. And it's it's really hard to, to sit down and if you're a kind of person that doesn't have a whole lot of time, it's, it's hard to, to kind of put all this stuff together. So I get it. So we're going to do the best we can here with it. So the way that this works is... It's not uncommon to to have such ideologies essentially outlawed. And that's what we're going to get into with the Smith Act, because that's been used to prosecute such as, you know, communists, fascists, uh, anarchists. Essentially, we've already got the laws on the books to prosecute these people. Now you have the modern liberal. The modern liberalism has allied itself with a domestic terrorist organization, which is Antifa, right, which is also the DSA. So it's still illegal to be considered a communist in the United States. That's why we have the Smith Act. We've prosecuted people under that before. But anyway, the point I was trying to make was is that it's not compatible with our way of living any longer. It's it's just it, the way that it's been taken over, the way that it's become radical. You can't speak in that system, in that ideology. You can't speak unless you agree with the mob. What does the mob say that's okay? Whatever it is that day. 
because it changes from day to day. And if you don't go along with the mob, well, what happens to you? You're vilified. You're, you're canceled. The cancel culture, as they call it. You're removed from social media. So how is that, how is that a system that's, that's compatible with, with what we exist as now or what we have existed as? How is that compatible? It's not. It's a cult. It's the same way that Scientology is a, is, a, is a cult. That's not a religion, even though they claim it to be one in the United States. There's a reason they did that. They got away with that. But when you have groups of people coming out, espousing political ideology, telling you how to speak, censoring you if you don't speak the way you need to speak. Well, that's a cult. That's a cult. So let's start with the word liberal, right? Let's start with the word liberal, right? Because I said liberalism. Okay, now let's let's just start with the word liberal. Okay, liberal. Okay, Bruce, do you have a definition of liberal? Let's just start with that, right? Like the true definition, not this modern day garbage. Can you give me a definition of liberal? All right. So this is the dictionary definition. Uh Uh-huh. Open to new behavior or opinions and willing to discard traditional values. Uh, and then in education, it's a concern mainly with broadening a person's general knowledge and experience rather than with technical or professional training. So really. OK, so they've changed it. All right. Just like they did with work. Yeah. The other one. All right. Well, the first one is actually that's accurate, because if you look at the time period when when America was founded, mm-hmm. the new behavior, new opinion and discarding traditions Fair that enough. was doing away with monarchy and, okay. and, you know, creating what we have now. OK, so. Essentially, though, I mean, liberal in this term, in this sense, means doing away with that system. It means breaking with that particular tradition. And it means in that sense, in that context, right, it means less government, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. More freedom, less government, transparency. That's what it was all about. OK, so the most important thing you have to understand is Marxists are not liberals. They're not liberals. OK, the concept that that Marxism is a new kind of uh, liberalism, that's completely false, right? That's a trap. That, that's a trap that they use to try and catch non-Marxists or socialists, rather. That's how they use them to, to catch them up in that. So the word liberal, right, the, the term liberal that we're speaking of here, that's an upstanding, that's a historical, fine, upright meaning. It's actually a symbol of great historic tradition in this sense, right? Basically, it's, it's an upright meaning. It actually has real historical uh, tradition here. So this is why they turn around and they have to take that term for their own, because it's something they can't compete with. Vladimir Lenin, V.I. Lenin, he actually said in his writings, what did he call liberals in the West? What did he call them? Even the liberal types in, uh, in Tsarist Russia, what did he call them? He called them liberal blockheads. Why did he call them liberal blockheads? Because they wouldn't budge on anything. They stuck to their principles. They believed in that particular way of thinking. We don't want that system. We want the system of self-governance. We want the system of limited government. We want transparency. We want free market. And they didn't budge on it. So they knew long term they'd have to take it over. Marxism, though, socialism, all of it, you know, it's all the same, right? Marxism, it's the very opposite of liberalism. But see, this is why, again, this is why they have to take it over. Liberalism, actually, in this sense that we're speaking of, right, it means increased rights for people. It stops the power of centralized government. This is what they fought the revolution for in America. It gives you the freedom of speech. It gives you the freedom of religion. It gives you freedom of the press. That's true liberalism. Marxism, socialism, you know, all all that stuff, right? That means fewer and fewer rights for the private citizen. It means the curtailment of, of freedom of speech and the press and freedom of religion. You don't have any of that under that system or under a fascist system either. I don't care which side you take. So the state becomes the all-powerful 
governing body, which is the absolute reverse of the term of being liberal, which is the as what we were saying here is the term that was that was used after the American Revolution, after the American founding. So the idea that this stood in the way, they had to turn around and take that over. So they don't like liberalism in any of it, in any form. They, they don't like it because it's true to Western civilization. So they have to do everything they can possibly do to try and infiltrate that particular ideology. And you see now that they own it. Like I said, we're 70 years into this, so now they own it. So they realize at the heart of it, at the traditional meaning of it, that it's a bitter enemy of them, right? That's just that's just the way that it is. I don't really have another way to put it. So it's actually a fighting stance of everything that they stand for. So it's it's a true opposer to that system. This again is why they had to take it over. So liberals, at the end of the day, liberals really don't want revolutions. They want genuine social reforms. That's true. But see, this is where they mix it up. This is where they they kind of you know intertwine it and all that stuff. But see, this is why Marxists actually detest them. But if they can be exploited like everybody else, then all they are is a useful idiot. That's all they are. That's all they become to that revolution. They become a useful idiot. So they will they will grab that term and they will twist it and they will they will conjure up things and they'll bring it into the fold and they'll manipulate it to their own ends. Another term they like to use, right? I love this one. Progressives. <laughs> right? They always use that term progressives, right? Yeah, we're getting things done. Yeah, you're getting things done all right. So they believe in progress, right? So everybody loves progress, right? Everybody loves this stuff. They like to say that they're some kind of, you know, wave of the future. They're the new utopia. Isn't that what they promote? Isn't that the kind of stuff they promote now? They're saying that they're the future. They know best, right? They're out there with their newspapers and their, their potting soil and how, the, how it's working with their watering can. Right, right. right. That's the future. They're, they're revolutionary. They're, they're bringing all good things that man has been dreaming about for years, right? Religions, uh, it's, uh, it's the opium of the people. It's got to be destroyed, right? That, oh, yeah, that's that's Marxism. The oppressors must be liquidated. Isn't that what they're saying? You know, throw out, yeah, all that stuff. Mm. The road ahead's mm. clear, right? See real progress with us. But see, those that don't go along with that, what are they called? reactionaries, fascists, right? Anti anti-fascist, yeah, you seeing this? You seeing how they're seeing how they're doing mm -hmm. this? Imperialists, yeah, you see how they do that? So the thing is though, everybody likes progress. You hear the word progress, everybody likes progress because everybody wants to get stuff done. Everybody wants something better. The idea of progress on the face of it is you move forward and you become better, right? That's progress. So you move ahead and you become a better person, you become a better uh, individual, you become a better producer, wh whatever it might be, whatever you do. Because just by default, the more you do something, the better you become at it, right? So they, they, they in turn grab that term and then start to twist it. And this is how they do it. So they'll take a simple argument like, well, are you a farmer, right? Well, you want to grow a better crop, don't you? Right? You want to grow more of it? Okay. Well, that's too complicated. Okay. Well, you're, you're a homeowner. Okay. You have a lawn, right? You got a yard, a garden, whatever. You want to get rid of all the uh, bad weeds and everything in the out in your yard or your garden. So you, you want to have better grass, right? You want to have a good looking lawn. Well, if you're a manufacturer, you're a business owner, uh, you want to develop a better product or service, right? Well, see, that's the human nature of it is that they turn around, Marxist, socialist, they'll turn around with this idea and they'll say, oh, well, they'll identify themselves with that idea. And this is how they'll convince people that they're the actual, quote, progressives, right? Well, we want to help you do all these things. We want to create this system that's going to do all these things and make it better for you. We, we want to advantage you. So that's why they call themselves progressive. The exact opposite is true with this. 
right? If you look at the way that these people get treated, if you look at the, the mismanagement of these systems, the incompetence of how they've been in the last century alone, if the 20th century, if the 20th century proved anything to the world, the 20th century, it proved that collectivism in any form, I don't care if it's if it's fascist, I don't care if it's communist or Marxist, socialist, whatever, collectivism as a whole in the 20th century is a failure. The numbers prove it. We had, what, 100 million dead? 100 million dead. Those are just civilian deaths, by the way, under collectivism in the last century alone because of this 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 nonsense ideology. You know, I once heard that uh, one of the founders, uh, John Adams, he's the first one, John, not John Quincy, but John Adams, the second president of the United States. He said, ideology is the science of idiots. You know, I'm starting to believe that. <laughs> the more I look into this stuff, I mean, the more I believe it. But the thing is, though, is that... You know, they'll create they'll create this kind of stuff. Right. This this what they're doing now. This is right out of the Marxist playbook. They'll create secret police. They'll create an army. They'll create control of, of communications, which they're already starting to do with Facebook and Twitter. They're on board with it. Right. Google. Right. They're all on board. And so what happens? They use the centralized power of the state to carry this out, and it becomes a tyrannical rule every time in history. But yet they say, oh, well, we're liberating. We're liberating people. You're not liberating people. You're enslaving people. See, under Marxism, under socialism, I keep using the two terms, right? Marxism is it's a, it's a form. It's, a, it's, it's the conjuring up of, of that ideology. Marx is the one that wrote it. Under that particular form of it, you have Marxism, Leninism, Stalinism, Titoism. You, you have all this stuff. You know, even Fidel Castro had his own flavor of it. So, I mean, everybody has their own interpretation of Marxism. It's how you interpret Even Hitler right? The, the fascist, okay? He interpreted Marxism differently. Same thing with Benito Mussolini, fascist Italy. He interpreted Marxism differently. Franco in Spain, there again, fascist rule. He interpreted Marxism even more so than fascist Germany or fascist Italy. So it all comes down to interpretation. But see, under that system, right, the individual, the individual doesn't exist. The individual under that system, right, you just become a number. That's all you are. You're a number, with two shoulders to carry whatever you need to carry. That's not progress. That's going backwards. That's not a progressive. That's a regressive. Throwing away the fruits of history, throwing away religion, throwing away a free government. That's not progress. Yeah, we're, we're I mean, we're seeing this dismantlement of it, right? So, for example, um, you, you mentioned religion. America was founded on Judeo-Christian uh, Christianity, right? It would, uh, many of our laws are intertwined with that. And our rights are given by God. Doesn't matter what your religion is. If it's given by God, that means the government can't take it away and they don't give it. And by removing God from the picture, well, guess what? Your rights are given by the government and the government has the ability, the capacity to remove them. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, that's just that's just one of the examples. And we're there. I mean, we've been we've been on that road for, what, 60 years now? Yep. So the next term, the next term that they like, social reform. We're hearing a lot of that talk now, aren't we? Social reform. I hear a lot of this. Oh, we need social reform. We need this. We need that. Reform to them means destruction. OK, people working for the better living conditions. Isn't, are we hearing that? Are we, are we hearing some of that? Mm -hmm. Oh, they're going to make society better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh huh. So they're going to be the champions. Right. The, these these new um, these new types. You notice they haven't said what they are. Have you noticed that they haven't mentioned what they are? Politically, they haven't mentioned that because we know what they are. We know what they are. They come out and they say, well, we're doing this for working people. Well, if you look at most of the polls out there, I'd say 80 plus percent of them. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Now, you can take polls for what you want, but 80 plus percent of the people out there that in these polls that I'm seeing don't want to defund the police, do they? Those are working people, by the way. 
What about people's businesses that you smashed out of those working people? What about the farmers? Look what you're doing to them. So the idea that you're going to be some kind of social reformer. Well, I, I really don't see how that uh, how that bears any fruit, because if you're out there calling what you're doing now social reform, well, we got a lot of work to do, don't we? What's going on in Chaz? That's not social reform. I wouldn't call that social reform. I'd call that a disgusting nightmare. But if you go down there, you'd think, well, you know, from what I'm seeing from the reports down there, oh, it's a it's a music festival. They're doing poetry readings. They got puppet shows. They had a dodgeball yeah, game today. Block party. The block. Yeah, block party. Exactly. Have we noted how wonderful it is, by the way, that we see them go in and occupy it with force, right? They, they have armed guards on the borders. They're policing. And... We're seeing the number of, of rapes go up, assaults. The police aren't able to respond in those areas and, and fast times like they were. You know, it was a five minute time before. Now it's an hour time. And now they're trying to change it again to where it's no longer Chaz. It is now Chop. And they have right. the idea of having one race doing all the work. Right. Again. That fits under fascism, which supposedly they're against. But this is the route that we see socialist countries take, right? They, they take over at first. Everything's all great in the very beginning. Then it collapses. They run out of food. Then, then you get a dictator coming in. And then kind of we're, we're seeing exactly that happen on a small scale in real time. And it, it's, it's, all, it's all good. And it, it's okay. It's just a block party. Right. But when they come out and they champion some kind of social reform on top of it, they use mm -hmm. that that particular term. I mean, mm -hmm. when you think about it on the on the surface, right, everybody wants social reforms, right? Everybody wants reforms as in improvement, right? This is what we, we hear all the time. Well, we need to reform this. We need to do that. Well, I mean, social reform is just a broad term. So they can apply that to whatever they want, So, which is what they do. So what they'll do is a lot of times they'll have, sorry? Hope and change. Hope and change. Exactly. Or forward. Same thing. As I've said, mm -hmm. forward, the Marxist term, because history ends. You start at zero. Everything you did in the past is a mistake. You have to move forward. Forward becomes history under Marxism. Very important to understand. But sticking with social reforms, what they'll do a lot of times, these these groups, they will come out or like the DSA or whatever. They won't do it directly. So they'll get a front right? A front organization. So example, uh, Open Society, right? George Soros Foundation, that's a front. Southern Poverty Law Center, that's a front. ADL, Anti-Defamation League, that's a front. ACLU, that's a front. So the, these are all fronts that carry, but they have, which I'm not going to get into these, uh, how these groups operate now, but these groups, they will pick a group and give it a name that sounds traditional, that sounds like it's fighting for the civil rights of the American people, when in fact it doesn't. It's going against it. So what they'll do is they'll take a front organization and they'll have it put comments forward in a speech that's been worked up for them. OK, and it'll have desirable objectives in there that are pretty, you know, pretty praiseworthy in some cases. It'll sound good on the surface. But see, the person that presents it, in their opinion, that kind of stuff doesn't really represent much of, of what they think is is a gain for the, the larger movement behind the scenes. So they try to tailor it for more of what, what's the term we hear all the time? Democracy, right? Democracy. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. America's not a democracy. We're a democracy with a little R, but we're not a democracy or a little D rather, I guess. We're not a full democracy. We're a form of it. We're a flavor of it, but we're not a true democracy. We don't have mob rule. We're starting to, though. Like I said, with the Electoral College, do you want a democracy in the U.S.? The Electoral College, the county of Los Angeles can outvote 47 U.S. states if you have a, demo if you have a direct democracy in the U.S., just so you know. So 
the fact is, is that social reform, this is a complete misunderstanding of anything, right? of anything that you, the individual, that you think is what needs to be done. But see, it's exactly what Marxists appreciate. It's exactly what socialists want. See, in reality, socialists, they detest democratic reforms. They don't like them. They want to abolish them. We went over that. So they come out with changes that, I guess, in this, in this sense, these actual reforms, right, to make reforms in the positive light, OK, they know that this will make a free government even stronger. Right. And that's that's counterproductive to what they want to do. Right. That doesn't help their revolution at all. So if you create a stronger system, then it's going to be less likely that that gets overthrown by their revolution, which is what they're doing right now. Would you agree with that, Bruce? Yeah. Yeah. So they will turn around. They'll espouse reforms, you know, higher wages. What are we hearing? Fifteen dollars an hour. Fight for 15. Right. Mm -hmm. OK. Better working conditions, right? Yeah, better working conditions. Elimination of racial discrimination. Yeah, we're hearing that a lot. Yeah, we're, we're hearing that. We, we're hearing yep. a lot of talk about racial discrimination. Yeah, this is a revolutionary yep. tactic of Marxism, of socialism, all of it. Socialism, by mass agitation, might gradually change to democracy. That idea right there, because they promote democracy. They say, well, if you do this and you do this and you do this in this sphere of social reform, then, well, it'll be a democracy. Hence, here comes Bernie Sanders. On comes Bernie Sanders. Democratic Socialists, right? Yeah. Democratic Socialists of America, actual political party. We did a podcast on them. Please go back and check it out. Democratic Socialists of America. By the way, at the end of that podcast, just so you know, we covered their national convention and they said they voted that they were going to create Antifa brigades. What are we seeing now? Who's responsible for mm -hmm. that? Who claims to be a member of DSA? Bernie Sanders. AOC. Clarification there. It wasn't uh -huh. that they were creating Antifa brigades. They were directly funding them. Oh, yes. OK. Like, yeah, you're so, correct. Yeah. You're correct. Yeah. OK. My mistake. Yes, you're right. Now that I think on it. Yeah. But anyway, their goal, right? All this all this is a delusion, right? They're, they're all delusional when it comes to this. Like this idea that they're going to take somehow, they're going to take socialism and they're going to create democracy. Like, give me a break. Give me a break. That's the oldest trick in the book. That's, that's, to, the, that's to the weak minded person that doesn't understand what they're doing. Communism, Marxism, fascism, all of it. All socialism. All socialism. I don't care. All socialism is derived from Marxism. Every bit of it. I don't care which side it comes from. Their goal, their goal from what we're seeing right now is revolution. That's their goal. And any form, any vehicle that'll advance that cause is urgently pursued, just like what they're doing right now. They're turning up the heat. You notice it, right? They're turning up the heat on it mm -hmm. and they're going to turn it up again. They're going to turn that where, where the frog being boiled in the pot. That's what's happening. So I said they don't believe in democracy, right? They don't care about democracy. This this idea of social Democrats and social democracy. Give me a break. OK, they claim sometimes that, uh, that you know, you, you hear them saying, well, socialism, well, this gives the people right? it's the power to the people. It gives them the right to have a highly developed form of democracy. Lenin even stated that the Soviet Union was a million times more democratic than the most advanced capitalist democracies. Please show me how that was the case. You had 40 million people starved to death that we know of, that we know of. And those are just civilians. So to, to lament this idea that somehow the, a socialist ideology is somehow a, a democratic movement, uh, it's, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. I'm not going to get into other Marxist terms tonight, but there's there's another one that's extremely important. It's called a sopian. And a sopian means a sopian language. Now, that's, I, like I said, I'm not going to get into this. I'm not going to bore you with it. But essentially what that is, that's code talk, right? I'll get into that at another time. But that's code talk for how someone will speak, uh, some, some member will speak in example, the media or uh, in, a, in a writing or something like that. And it's not to be understood by anyone except other people that align with that ideological standpoint. So 
the average person looks at it and says, well, that sounds pretty good. So it's actually, it's a term, it's called a Sopian language. But anyway, I'm not going to get into that. But we're hearing that today in the media, though. They're, they're it, calling well, it yes. a dog whistle. Yeah. It, well, yes, same same type of thing. But you can tell, mm-hmm. I mean, if you if you understand the terms of, of Marxist ideology, then you can understand how these people speak and how they communicate to each other and what they're actually saying as opposed to what you think they're saying. Now, that, that might sound conspiratorial. But that's how they operate. That's how they communicate with each other. So it's the same thing with the word democracy, right? I'm doing the air quote thing with my finger. Mm-hmm. They use this. Socialists will use this in that form of Asopian talk, that Asopian language. Now, it's an actual term. Anyone, please go and look that up. It's called Asopian language. They say one thing and they mean another. It's also the, how a sociopath operates. They say one thing and they do another. So this is how they fool people. They encourage them to believe that, you know, socialism or whatever stands for something that's actually desirable. That's what we're seeing. That's precisely what we're seeing. It's been billed as this this good thing. It's a savior. It's scale. You know, capitalism has failed. The American system has failed. We've got to act. We've got to take socialism now because this is the only way. Right. That's what we're hearing. Mm-hmm. So to them, though, they say they favor democracy. Right. They say that uh, socialism is going to bring the fullest demo- the fullest type of democracy to people. Right. Isn't that what they say? Isn't that what they promote? <laughs> yep. But to these people, democracy doesn't mean free speech. It doesn't mean free elections. It doesn't mean the right of minorities to exist. It doesn't mean that. Democracy means the domination of the communist state, of the socialist state, of the fascist state. That's democracy to them. You know, but to you, you just think, oh, what's well, a 50% rule? It's, you know, parliamentary thing and, you know, all that stuff. But what it really is, it's the complete supremacy of just one party, isn't it? That's what it comes down to because it's a majority rule. So it's a supremacy of one party. So in this case, it would be if you're doing a full Marxist revolution, it would be the Communist Party, right? Or even if it's a fascist movement, it would be whatever that fascist party is, whatever it is. It'd be the domination of that party. They're using the the parliamentary system to dominate that. So the greater the socialist control, then the more, quote, democracy you're going to get, right? Isn't that how they promote it? Yeah, right. So what happens in history when this happens? What happens, right? All the groups that help them come to power, all the ones they make deals with them. What did I say about those groups? What happens to them? See, full democracy to socialists, right? That only comes when all opposition is removed. And you know what happens to those groups, all right? So expressions like democracy, I'm again, you're going to you're going to hear these words. You're hearing these words now. You tell me, you tell me if we're not hearing this expressions like democracy, equality, freedom, justice. That's a Sopian language. That's a Sopian language to people that's meant to impress you, to make you think, oh, they're out there championing that for me. But they're talking to other people when they say those words. They mean the very opposite of what they're promoting. They mean democracy, equality and freedom and justice for them. Not for you, not for me, not for the guy down the street, not for your neighbor. No one. One thing that socialists are good at, I'm not talking about your average socialist who just follows the party and all that stuff. I'm not talking about that. The hardcore, ironclad, steel trap revolutionary, the disciplined nerves of steel revolutionary, that type. One thing they're masters at, one thing they're they're amazing at, and I'll give them credit for this. One thing they're good at, they're good at getting other people to do their work for them. That's what they're good at. They turn around and they they wrap themselves in everything good, right? What, what did I say they do? They, they come out with these organizations that promote you know, national pride and, and history. They wrap themselves in the American flag or whatever flag from whatever country you're from, right? And they think, oh, well, it's all good and it's 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 noble and it's it's inspiring, right? To explore the, all they're all they're doing, they're exploiters. They're exploiting these things, they're props, they're exploiting these things and using them and twisting them to their own advantage. That's all they're doing. They're opportunists when it comes to that. 
So where are they? Where are they? Are they socialists or are they Americans? Because apparently they detest everything about America, right? They detest all of it. They can't stand it. What are they calling for? They're calling for an overthrow to the system. We got to get rid of all of it. See, socialists are not Americans. I don't care what their papers say. I don't care what their, their birth certificate says. I don't care what their passport says. You turn your back on the ideals of America, which gave the modern world rights. I don't care what, what country you come from. Our revolution, our American revolution gave the world your rights, whether you like it or not. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. You know, actually, I'm not sorry. I won't apologize for that. You read a lot of the European constitutions, the modern European nation constitutions. Boy, they sound awful familiar. They sound an awful lot like the one that came from the United States. Why? Because we figured out how to deconstruct authoritarianism and put real control back into the hands of the people to self-govern. We deconstructed that system and broke it down into a system of checks and balances so one doesn't become more powerful than the other. There's always a check on that balance of power. Always. So it doesn't become tyrannical. This is what they want to get rid of. Why would you want to get rid of that? If you're such a liberator, if you're such a, a, a reformer, if you're such a progressive, if you're such a liberal, then why would you want to get rid of that? If that is oppression to you, well, then what are you? You're not an American. If you're a socialist, you're not an American. I don't care who you are. Bernie Sanders, his papers can say whatever the hell they want. Bernie Sanders is not an American. He's a socialist. So this is a typical trick that they'll do, right? They'll take a system, socialism, right? That's un under that system, under that system. I don't care which one it is. Any socialist, any socialist system you can pick, okay? That stands for everything that America abhors. We can't stand it. Slave camps, rigged elections, purges, dictatorships. That's not American. That's everything we stand against. The problem is, is that the American people, unfortunately, are not aware of any of what I just said, I don't think. I think some of them are, but I think a majority of them are, are not. All these things that have happened, you know, in, in Nazi Germany and fascist Italy and Venezuela, Cuba, North Korea, Soviet Union, what's going on today currently in communist China, they got three million people in, in labor camps, in, in slave labor camps. See, all these things should, should not be something to be revered which is what you've got the group pushing for in the United States right now. This is not something to be revered. We shouldn't idolize that type of thing. We shouldn't do that. But what should happen is all these things, all these countries that have had this happen to them, all these events, right? They should teach us that socialism, that's not an angel of mercy. They're ministering to the weak, to the oppressed, the wounded, right? But see, they come to you at the end of it with a hammer and a sickle. You look at the flag of the Soviet Union, what was it? It was a hammer and a sickle. You look at it in North Korea, what is it? You look at it in communist China today, what is it? People out in the streets right now in America holding up what flag? What's on it? But the problem is, is people are just sucked in by it, by everything that I mentioned. The term liberal, term progressive, social reforms. They claim to be a lot of things. Socialists do. They, they claim to be a lot of things, but they claim to be a lot of things that they're actually not. But see what they do in every field of human life. See, that that's that's just that's just it here. They have to go after absolutely everything. I've said that before. They have to go after all of it. But they go to it and they they put up false fronts to each thing. And this is precisely how they fool and enslave people. So like I said, they um, they've got some slick propaganda. But see, if you understand how they operate and how they use these terms to manipulate people, well, then you can see right through it and you can see precisely what they're doing. See, there's more to this. There's a lot more to this. This is just one part of it. There's the way that they structure themselves. There's the way that they operate. There's the way that they speak. There's a way that they they twist all these, these different terms that I just mentioned. There's a lot to this. It's a multi-tiered system and they are disciplined and this is their revolution. And so 
we have to make a decision. Is this what we really want? Is this the road you want to go down? You want to go down that road that's been tried time and time again, and you keep hearing the words, oh, we have to try. We have to try. Oh, it wasn't done right. How many people are we going to lose this time because it wasn't done right? Do you want those people out there growing uh, growing stolen tomatoes from Home Depot on potting soil on, in newspapers? You want those people running society? Because I don't. And so it's time to wake up and see these these scum for who they are. They're weak. They're pathetic. And they're losers. They're losers at the end of the day. Why would you turn around and do that to somebody? Everything of what I just mentioned, how they how they twist that stuff up, how they manipulate people. They don't have a soul. They don't have empathy. They're nothing. Well said. The question becomes people that behave like this, people that promote this ideology. What do we do with them? What do we do with them? Yeah, I mentioned yesterday, again, you know, liberalism. I mean, that's that's what it's what spurred me to, to go into that whole that whole spiel that I just did with these terms. And I, I think it's extremely important to understand that because that's precisely how they operate. This is an old game. This is an old game. This game that they're playing, this is 100 years old, right? We, we've seen this before. Human, humankind, we've seen this before. We've been fighting the same fight for 100 years. It's the same tactics. It's on new playing fields. The players are different, but the game remains the same. They haven't changed. So it's there. It's right in front of you. If you're wondering, if you think, well, this just doesn't sound right, but man, it sounds good. Well, there's a reason for that. And I just explained it to you. So again, what do we do about it? Do we outlaw liberalism, that modern liberalism, not the traditional liberalism, of course, as you see, I mean, I explained the, you know, what it's become. Do we outlaw liberalism? I mean, in some cases, you have extremist parties that are outlawed, right? right? Germany, you can't be a Nazi party anymore for obvious reasons. You can't be a communist party in Germany, but you can be a left or you can be a, you can be a right. But is that what we do? Do we outlaw a system that wants to overthrow the system? Well, it just so happens we already have a law in the books for that. But why is this not being considered? I'm not hearing any talk about this. We have something called the Smith Act of 1940. I mentioned it yesterday. Anyone's free to go and look that up. It's on the books. Still there. It's been used. Bruce, you looked over the Smith Act. Do you, do you want to give us a rundown real quick, a kind of quick synopsis of, uh, of what's all, what all's in that? So the Smith Act is, it's a, the, the actual name of it was uh, the Alien Registration Act. But you know, the, the popular name was the Smith Act. And more or less, basically, it, it enacted criminal penalties for people that were trying to violently or by using force to overthrow the U.S. government. Uh, it wasn't restricted to any particular ideology. It was just, uh, you know, I mean, this was right after, you know, communism became a problem and whatnot, uh, the Marxism in general. And that, that, that was kind of their approach. This was 1940. So, it would have been the rise of Nazism and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And it also required all non-citizen adults, uh, residents to register. So if you're not a citizen and uh, you're an adult resident, you were to register with the federal government, which we, we kind of have that system now anyway, a, a, a refined version of that. It's been revised a few times, but yeah, and I, I, had, I have to go into the details on finding the okay. revisions of it. Well, the, the thing is, is, I mean, I, like I said, we're not hearing any talk about this. So this is a perfectly justifiable law that we have on the books, right, that we can use to prosecute people. We've used it before to carry out prosecutions against communists, fascists and anarchists. We're seeing a mix of all of it that's happening right now. So do we declare all the groups that are associated with Antifa, do we declare everything? Do we just put a big stamp on it of domestic terrorism? Because now they're all aligned. 
they're all one and the same. Their goal is overthrow of the U.S. system, of the government itself. Do we try them under the Smith Act? Is that a possible solution here? Yes and no. Part of the problem with it is the, I believe it's used, uh, I'm wanting to say five times and four of the five times it was basically the Supreme Court ruled it was unconstitutional. And basically that those prisoners were acquitted. So there's already a precedent saying that this is unconstitutional. So I, I think it would be difficult to prosecute someone under that act. However, we, we still use some of the reforms that I was, or not reforms, but um, amendments I was seeing as things like um, it's a criminal offense to reproduce an alien registration receipt card, right? Mm-hmm. Different things like that. So it wasn't amended in the sense of it completely abolishing the part where it's illegal to be a Marxist in the U.S., so, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm personally, I'm of the opinion of, you know, with the First Amendment, you can voice whatever you want. That includes hate speech, whether or not there's repercussions for some of the hate speech is, you know, whatever, but you should be free to do it nonetheless. And but that that's the point of the First Amendment. That's the point of the First Amendment, right? The First Amendment right. so, is to protect speech you don't agree with. Right. So that's part of what I'm I'm thinking this wouldn't hold up because just because of the First Amendment argument, if somebody's coming out and and speaking Marxist, you know, points, technically it fits under the the First Amendment. Right. Okay. Yeah, I I agree with that. I I agree with that. I, I guess more to the point I was trying to make was if you have a group openly trying to overthrow violently the U.S. government, that's a different story, though, isn't it? We're beyond speech at that point. We're on to an actual insurrection. You know, we don't even necessarily need the Smith Act in that scenario because let's look for an example. Antifa, we'll use them as the example. Going in and usurping an area of Seattle, American soil, threatening people with violence based on political agendas. I mean, you don't even really necessarily need the act because you're being a terrorist. You're enacting assault. We have, in other words, we have laws against everything that they're doing already on the books. We don't even need to target them for their ideology. This is my concern. If we if we go down the road of, of, for example, using the Smith Act or using the government to target ideologies, where is the line for that? You know, if the next president comes in and says, well, your ideas of libertarianism is dangerous for our democracy, you know, can they target you at that point? So, I mean, it really depends on who's defining it and who's putting the law in place. Really, I would prefer the government didn't target people based on their ideology. Instead, mm-hmm. just have followed the law, you know, yeah, uphold I, the I law. Agree. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I don't. I, yeah, I think it's a very dangerous precedent. Yes. OK, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm just I'm looking at this from the revolutionary standpoint. That's that's where my head is. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care what someone espouses. I, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I, I do care to an extent because, I mean, I think you and I disagree a little bit there on that, that but that's fine. But example, like someone like Bill Maher, he's got a right to say what he says. Mm-hmm. He, he's got that right. I support it. I don't agree with what he says, but I support his right to say it. I'm looking at the militant side of it. I, I'm looking at these groups like... Um, What's this other one now? This this other group that we're seeing, ARM, uh, the the abolitionist uh, revolutionary whatever uh, movement that yeah, the the redneck one yeah yeah that that one the yeah. the uh, the redneck revolt is that what they're called the John Brown Gun Club right yeah. this is the militant so, yeah. wing yeah this is the militant wing of Antifa there's an even more radical mm-hmm. wing to Antifa and that's it 
They're the ones that are out there in Seattle right now with the ARs on the street corners. That's the John Brown gun club. So my issue is, is that I'm le- like I said, I'm less concerned about the speech of it, though it is dangerous in a certain respect because you're calling for a revolution. But when you actually go through the act of carrying it out, that's a whole different ballgame, man. That, that's a different ballgame. I agree. So. Uh, but, you know, again, we, we don't necessarily need to target the ide- ideology. Like, Correct. Yeah, right. their, their intentions are revolutionary, but everything else that they're doing is illegal already. And right. none of these cities, none of the states are upholding the law. So even if we did have a law to make Marxism illegal, nobody's upholding the other laws that are on the books that are, you know, important, you know, typically. So I, I don't I don't think anybody would uphold it at this point. And really, with with Antifa, with Antifa being targeted as a terrorist organization, right, that means anybody that's funding them, anybody that's associated with them can have some um, consequences. So, I mean, I don't really like the idea of how easy it is to add someone to the being a terrorist group, right? Because, yeah. again, yeah. The, it's, honestly, it's let's broad. just go after these. It is yeah. way too broad. Uh, let's just go after these people for, I don't know, the assault and battery, the rape, the uh, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, terrorist acts. I mean, we could go after them all for that. And many of them could go in prison for life for some of the stuff that they've done. And I mean, that that would quell their movement, uh, at least uh, the militant part of it. We don't even necessarily need to go for the um, the other bits of it, though. I would like to. I would love to be able to go in and like confiscate the the money of all these Soros organizations. And, you know, yeah. Bezos is in on it. And freaking who's the other billionaire that was Tom Steyer for president Steyer. He's in on it as well, doing all this stuff. Just I mean, I would love to be able to go in and, and shut down all their organizations. And but. They're technically legal. I mean, everything they're doing is within legal bounds. So there's really no there's no way to really go after it. Right. Okay. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to end. So I appreciate your insights, Bruce. But yeah, there's uh, honestly, I think that's an open ended discussion. I'd like to leave it open because something that we continue to debate as things get more and more crazy. I think it's I think it's a discussion that, uh, that needs to be had. As, as we continue on. So I'll tell you what I would like to do. I'd like to revisit some of the points that I covered, although I would like to go at it at a different angle. The next time I want to talk about, well, n- maybe not the next time, like tomorrow, but soon I would like to talk about, or maybe tomorrow, I don't know, we'll see. I would like to talk about how they target specific groups and how they break them down. I want to talk about how their organization is structured. I'm talking about socialism. I want to talk about how their organization is structured, how they use people, not just by the terms that we described today, but by the terms of how they get other people to do their work for them. See, I said they're masters of that. They're really good about that. They're excellent in getting others to do that work for them. See, socialists are lazy at the end of the day. I mean, they they parade around like they get things done, but they're they're lazy because they just sit. I'm talking about the bosses, right? The bosses of social, they're lazy people, but they've got other people that go out there and and do their work. They're henchmen. They're uh, they're mercenaries. They go out and they do the work for them. That's what's unique about it all. So, but we'll get into that at another time. Thank you to all the listeners. If you haven't followed us yet on social media, please do. We're on the platform called Parlor. I know I've mentioned it here the last couple of days. I'm on there. You're welcome to follow me. I post up podcast stuff. I post up comments and put up my own post on my own thoughts throughout the day. Uh, so please, please follow us on uh, on Parlor. Uh, you can follow me on there at Anderson 3 You can also follow Marty at Marty Foster. 
Uh, and you can even, well, in this case, it's not tweet, it's parlay. You can parlay to us, send us your feedback. You can get in contact uh, directly with us through, uh, you know, if you want to reply to our comments or our posts, we're happy to answer. Thank you for your time today, Bruce. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow. 